Um, hi folks, welcome back to Life on a Mission. Uh, it's been a while. I, I haven't been posting a lot of episodes lately because I have been doing a little rebranding, uh, buying some new equipment, doing some more research, and spending holidays with the family. I haven't had a lot of time to focus on the podcast, but you know what? It's 2019, uh, starting the year off strong, going to be releasing more episodes um, this obviously is one of them. I just recorded this podcast recently, and my guest on here is Ryan Franklin. He's a good buddy of mine. We actually went to Catania, Sicily together uh, about a year and a half ago, I'd say, maybe two years ago. And he works for an organization called Team Expansion. Uh, what he does is uh, he helps missionaries around the world. Uh, he is involved in sending those missionaries to certain places to plant churches around the world, things like that, but I'm not going to get too much into the details. I will let him do all the talking. Uh, I want you guys to pay close attention to this one, though, because uh, it's pretty important to me uh, to be able to learn about an organization and their purpose and what they're all about, and it's just something cool to, to learn in case you're ever looking to get involved or lock arms with an organization that wants to uh, maybe send you somewhere around the world. Who knows? We'll see. But uh, I'll, uh, I'll let Ryan get to the talking. But beforehand, also, I just want to say, um, if you feel like you want to donate any money at all to any of these organizations that are represented on my podcast, you have the opportunity to do that. I have a Patreon account. This Patreon account um, is in the description um, below these episodes on YouTube or on iTunes or even my website. Um, you can also find the link to my Patreon account on my social media. But also, if you just go on a Patreon and you search my name, George Shadburn, you'll be able to find it. What you'll be able to do, though, is that you can sign up to basically give whatever amount that you want. But you can sign up to do a monthly donation. Now, with that monthly donation, I don't want to ask for much. I, I don't think that's necessary. I think whatever you know, you're wanting to give would you know obviously be generous enough. But I have three tiers um, on this Patreon page that you can sign up under. You can give a dollar a month, $5 a month, or $10 a month. I really don't believe it's necessary to give any more than that. I want you guys, um, you know, to be able to focus on your own, your own finances. But if you feel like out of the goodness of your heart, you would like to donate to, uh, a, uh, whatever, uh, organization is represented on my podcast, you're free to do that. And then on a monthly basis, I will take those donations of the month and I will announce where those donations are going to go to. I'll make an Instagram video and post it of me giving a check or cash to that organization. And then you get to sleep a lot better at night knowing that you had a part in that. It's actually pretty cool. What I've done with that already is uh, if you check out my Instagram page, um, I have already done that for a friend of mine. Her name's Andrea Scott. She um, has started a nonprofit called Up Louisville. It is for homeless women and children, and uh, she has done a lot of good with that. And I've already uh, donated uh, a month's Patreon 
uh, donation to her and her cause. Um, I haven't done it for a few months, so there's actually quite a bit of money in there, and I'm looking forward to uh, donating to the next organization that's represented on my podcast. I'm pretty excited for that. Anyway, let's get to the episode. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy. Pay close attention. He's got a lot of cool stuff to talk about. Um, we get pretty in-depth. The audio is a little sketchy this time, and I don't know why. I tried fixing it as much as I could, but anyway, I hope you guys enjoy. Thank you, and please subscribe. Welcome back, everybody. I'm here with my buddy, Ryan Franklin. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. We went to Catania, Sicily together and did a mission trip where we worked with West African refugees. And now he works at Team Expansion. But I'm going to let him introduce himself and talk about himself for a minute. So, Ryan, thanks for being on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's a cool opportunity to kind of tell people about some different uh, opportunities here in Louisville. Um, yeah. And it's kind of crazy because not a lot of people will know of Team Expansion. Mm-hmm. Um, and really what Team Expansion is all about um, is making disciples who make disciples who then make disciples. Um, Biblical discipleship and um, just ways to uh, walk alongside the the local church or the global church um, and and make that happen. Um, However, Team Expansion uh, primarily focuses on the unreached people groups of the world, so um, people who do not have an opportunity um, like we do here, like in Louisville, where there's a church on every corner, right? Um, to hear the gospel. So whenever we say unre- unreached, um, that means less than 5% evangelical presence within either a people group within a country yeah. or sometimes a whole country. Um, okay. Uh, for example, in Africa, you might find many different tribes or villages that are considered themselves unreached. Okay. Um, or, for example, Japan is an entire country yeah. who is unreached. Um, and, and 5% is a little generous. Um, depends on who you're asking in terms of researcher. Um, some people would, would say 5%. Some people would kind of lower that to 2.5%. So, okay. So, really, Team Expansion has uh, missionaries all over the world, even here in Louisville, working yeah. with uh, refugees in Louisville, but also throughout the world. So, there's not really a particular region... Or, or continent, it's all over the place, just as long as it's unreached. But your your demographic is kind of like just the most deprived places in the world as far as where the gospel's reached. In terms of the gospel, yes. Sometimes yeah. um, in terms of in, impoverished uh, populations, not always the case. Yeah. Um, I know, for example, um, there's a team in, in India working um, with with an upper caste, so it's not necessarily poverty, but a lot of cases um, it is poverty, because normally where you don't have the gospel, yeah, um, there, there is poverty. So. Right. Okay, cool. Well, what is your main, what is your position in team expansion specifically? Um, so my role and is... And I'm going to scoot this up to you here. Sure. No worries. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> uh, my, my role is uh, director of internships at Team Expansion, um, and that, that sounds pretty fancy, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think it's it's that fancy. But also I think it's uh, a huge, 
huge role in terms of the kingdom of God because right. um, what that entails is um, raising up the next generation of missionaries. Um, yeah. uh, how can we uh, continue to move forward and to continue to raise up uh, the kingdom and build the kingdom yeah. without missionaries stepping up to the plate? Yeah. Um, I believe that God um, is going to get the job done no matter what because mm -hmm. um, we have the end of the book. Yeah. Uh, but why not be a catalyst uh, for the cause by, one, actively making disciples who make disciples, right? but also raising up new generations of missionaries as well. And so. you, you kind of have to be the guy to prepare them for what they're about to encounter. Exactly. So um, given the experience that I've had doing many, many... Um, <laughs> given my experience um, throughout the world working uh, under veteran missionaries, um, they've asked me to um, uh, fill this role because of that experience, because I've had the opportunity to do prep in terms of support raising, but also yeah. cross-cultural preparation. And I also had a degree um, in intercultural studies. So okay. given all of those uh, factors, they've asked me to, to fill this role to best prepare students for cross-cultural ministry, no matter the age. Okay. We do have a requirement of 18, but uh, right. no matter the age in terms of, of youth. Okay. So when it comes to preparing for uh, an intern for missions and cross-cultural um, communications, what is some of the things that you prepare them for the most, or what do you emphasize the most? Well, first and foremost, um, Team Expansion is an organization of prayer. Right. Um, I hate to say it, but it seems like um, prayer can get a lot of lip service these days. To people just say, yes, I will pray for you. You're or, absolutely right. We, we um, emphasize prayer. Right. Um, but um, what exactly do you mean when you say that? Are you actually going to follow through? Um, yeah. And so the one thing that we try to emphasize and build up in our interns mm -hmm. and full-time workers is, um, is prayer one themselves to mm -hmm. make sure that they are actively seeking God in the work that they're doing. Yeah. But also we do require that um, full-time workers and interns have um, 100 prayer partners that they are um, communicating with um, in terms of prayer requests, needs, um, praises, um, the things like that. Um, and, wow. I, and I myself have that as well. Yeah. Um, so uh, whenever everything is founded on prayer, yeah. um, we believe, um, you know, success is only in a matter of time. So. Yeah. So praying is um, uh, first and foremost emphasized. Okay. Yes. Um, other things we try to emphasize um, is, is um, an open mind in terms of how to go about things. You know, mm -hmm. it, it, one word that I absolutely hate to hear um, is the word weird. Weird, yeah. Um, because, I don't know, it just seems to kind of have a negative connotation because something that someone does right. could just be different. and It's a matter of perspective. Yeah, it, right. it's not necessarily wrong. Right. Um, and so I like to, to, to open students' minds and, and just help them to realize that, yes, they are different, but God does love them. Yeah. Um, and God has a purpose for their life as well. Um, yeah. So they are, they are weird. Right. Just different in your eyes, and so yeah. let's just go about um, everything together, type of thing. So nice. Um, so when you're preparing, you know, people to do internships and everything, what is probably one of the most difficult challenges that that they'll face, or that you yourself face, when it comes to these internships and doing missions and stuff like that? Mm -hmm. Um. I would say 
the biggest difficulty is um, helping people see outside the box. Mm-hmm. Um, here in America, we kind of have a certain set of rules or systems in place to to reach um, X, Y, Z. Right. Um, and whenever we're dealing with God, um, that's not always the case. It's just not um, how it works. Yeah. And normally that's for our benefit. Yeah. Um, so sometimes people hear, oh my gosh, this is going to cost that much money to do this, or um, I have to do this and that. Yeah. Um, you know, we have the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, as our advocate, as our coworker, right. everything is possible. And yeah. um, as we saw in Sicily, you know, we prayed and, and saw some amazing things happen that we did not even expect. It is still amazing to think back to that, yeah. like some of the things that did happen. Absolutely. So my my goal in whenever I'm speaking with, with students is to help them see outside the box. Right. To, to help them realize that, yes, um, here's a story that I can tell you. Um, where yeah. God boldly moved in, in people's lives where we did not even expect it. And I'm confident that right. he can do the same in yours. Right. Even if that means something so minute of raising $5,000. Right. Exactly. Um, yes. So. I think one of the things that when I wasn't prepared for it and then I came back from Sicily was realizing how the community that we live in is just not reality for the rest of the world. Like, Sicily is a beautiful place, but the things that we saw and dealt with out there and then coming back and just looking around, I was like, this is Disneyland. Like, we live in a theme park, and this is just not the case for the rest of the world. Like, people having to improvise on just, like, where they're going to live and like how they're going to get water, that's like something that I didn't fully grasp until I got back. And it seems like, it seems so simple, but like to have that commodity like taken away, like where we had to buy bottles of water every day, or like we kind of had to like focus on like, hey, we've got this much water for right now, like we've got to use it accordingly it definitely like wrecked my perspective when I got back because I was like, wow, I I hate complaining now. Like even when I start to think about wishing for a better situation, I'm like, holy cow, I actually had to buy water like before, like this is Disneyland. But yeah. And that processing that you're doing right there is mm -hmm. what we try to help uh, begin while the, while the students are still in the United States to Mm -hmm. help, begin turning their gears in terms of what they're going to expect, but also mm-hmm. begin to help them see their current um, sphere right? Um, and, and begin that debrief process. So whenever they return, you know, they're, they're better able to process the things that they've seen and then go forward with it. So it's just not another trip that they go on, but rather right. how they saw, saw God work mm-hmm. and how they can, can move forward with that. But yeah. also empowered um, as a, as a, as a Christ follower. So you've got a briefing process and then a debriefing process. And I remember when we got back, you were, they put you in this building for like three days and like you had to fill out some stuff, but then you just had to sit and talk. As far as like that goes, um, how did that benefit you specifically? Because that's, I feel like that's a thing that not a lot of people get the chance to do. 
Well, I don't think you truly learn um, from an experience until you've um, sat and thought about it and, and then talked about it. Mm -hmm. um, you can do something over and over again, or you can have this amazing experience, but if you just return home and move on with your life, right? Um, did, what did you learn from that? Is your life any different? Right. Was it beneficial? Um, so we do have a briefing process, an orientation week, to where we kind of help interns um, prepare with the things that they're going to see, mm -hmm. but also do some team building um, to help um, their team run smoothly when they're on the field. Because yeah, culture shock is real, and it's not it's not necessarily negative, but it's going to be something that you're faced, and it's, you're going to be confronted with things that are very very difficult. Yeah, um, and, the, and and how you go about. Um, decision making in, in the midst of those struggles yeah. um, can be can be very very important. Um, so that's kind of what we help them beforehand, but we also help them see what's in front of them, but also in a way see the finish line without mm -hmm. being um, too far ahead of ourselves. Sometimes yeah. you can say, "Oh my gosh, I can't wait till this is over with," and you're not fully present. Right. We want to help them see the, the, the finish line, but still help them be fully present just so we can kind of help them process the whole situation, or yeah. the, whole pro the whole experience. Right. Um, and then when they return, we do have them go through a debriefing yeah. where some of that is, is journaling or some of that's just hanging out with, with friends and, and yeah. teammates. Some of it's just talking and, and uh, expressing things that you experienced. Um, it, it's pretty informal. Mm -hmm. There was a, really a... Um, a strict code to the briefing. It's just all about, um, you know, personal relationships and, and communication and just ways that we can um, kind of flesh out the things that we've seen. So whenever later on, whenever we are kind of going through reverse culture shock back in the United States, right? Um, they can kind of have people to turn back to or help them that they've already begun that process of communicating what they've experienced um, and they can continue that on. So. Okay, cool. Well, so as far as um, getting interns and making team expansions presence known, what do you guys do to go about making that happen? Um, we, we have a lot of um, travel that we do throughout the fall. Really, recruitment is all throughout the year. I kind of hate using the word recruiting because um, I hate to sound like I have to sell the Great right. Commission. Exactly. But, um, but you do have to you you do have to have your your face out there, and you really yeah. have to put yourself out there. So in a way, yes, it is recruiting. Yeah. Um, but we do traveling to different universities. Um, we have a lot of meetings with different um, campus ministers. Mm -hmm. um, we also have many conferences that we go to. Um, every once in a while, we'll have a church that we will go to and kind of you know represent team expansion in, in the lobby and, and speak at a congregation. But yeah. uh, the majority of it is um, college campuses okay. and conventions. Okay, so you know, college students wanting to get into team expansion, um, they wanna do something with it. What is, um, if they wanted to make that a full-time thing, if they wanted to make that their life, what would be the best way for them to prepare for that? Well, I see it um, a primary role uh, for myself um, to, to help that process of what it's like to be full-time. Right. Um, not just offer an opportunity for students to go on a mission trip. Right. So our internships um, are catered around what's it, what is it actually like to be working mm -hmm. in living cross-culturally. Yeah. Not just um, hands-on work. A lot of churches go on short-term trips and it's just um, hands-on work yeah. for... 
for this many hours in a day for for so many days. Yeah. Um, but we try to emphasize um, what it's like to be working and living cross culturally because when you're a missionary, you're living not as your home. You're living right. in a cross cultural setting. So we try yeah. to help begin that process of experience of what that is. You like. become a foreigner in a foreign land. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so if let's say a, st- a college student were to to be asking the questions, just like my myself, whenever I was asking, whenever I was in college, you know, God, I have no idea what this looks like. I have no idea what to do, how to go about all of this. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll help answer those questions for them and to kind of begin that process of, of getting experience and getting some hands-on experience, but also what it's like to live cross-culturally as well. Yeah. So. Okay. Do Do you see any situations where people kind of get chewed up and spit out, you know, by, well, let me put it this way. Um, A lot of people are in the American evangelistic church are used to the idea of going on a week to two week mission trip, but we did a summer internship. And I mean that, I mean, that really did challenge us and it took a toll on us. Like, like physically it took a toll on like on me but it was still one of those things like where I think we were prepared pretty well for that. But have you just ever seen a situation like where people will just get chewed up and spit out? Yes. Um, I think we're all called to be disciple makers, mm-hmm. but maybe not everybody in a cross-cultural context. Right. So um, although we do try to... Um, build a structure for these internships that challenges and, and put students in situations to where they, they may fail. Yeah. Um, it's a structured environment to where right. they can learn through it, not just thrown to the wolves by themselves. Right. Um, and sometimes people just don't have the personality um, for that type of context. Right. Um, and they just kind of crumble. Yeah. Um, so yes, I have seen people just kind of, in terms of, um, not necessarily failing because right. I think through that they were able to to learn more yeah. about themselves, mm-hmm. um, but but not quite um, fit for a cross cultural context. If that answers your yeah, question, yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, taking an overall look at the situation of the world, um, and as far as the ratio of like the harvest and the workers. Um, what kind of a place do you think we're in? Do you think we're in a, do you think that, well, let me put it this way. I was having a discussion with my buddy uh, the other day about John Piper's sermon about you either go, you send, or you disobey. Um, and that's, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Um, as far as that goes, where do you think the American, how do, you, how do you think the American church is doing on that? Do you think that there's, I don't know, what's your opinion? Well, um, I can tell you this. Um, it seems like in the United States there is a, um, a cloud of, of negativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can really um, hold us down. Yeah. Um, but I can confidently tell you that um, God is on the move. Right. Um, in amazing ways um, all over the world. Yeah. Um, in, ter- in terms of, of the United States, yeah. um, I believe the church is doing its job 
um, because we are the, the country that sends the most missionaries, right? And therefore, if we send the most missionaries, we do have people stepping up to the plate, right? Um, in terms of going as well, right? Um, do I think we could do a better job in terms of discipleship in the United States? I do believe so, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we are on a negative trajectory. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, though. You're right because there's, I think, there is a dipping point in the church because I think instead of emphasizing it and growing it in the home, in the families, it's the responsibility of your Christian walk is being left up to uh, a non-personal pastor to teach you everything you need to know and to not walk you through it. Um, I think you're right when it comes to that. Like there's just this dipping point of discipleship and that's important as well because it carries on into generations. Okay. Well, so what are some of the challenges on a daily or weekly basis that you face in your position of team expansion? Like, I know that obviously like you're having to recruit and prepare interns and everything, but for you yourself personally, like what do you have to deal with? Well, um, in terms of day-to-day logistics or in terms of just kind of a broad stroke? Uh, just a broad stroke, yeah. Well, um, given my experiences, I've, I've had the opportunities to see God uh, move in some pretty amazing ways. And, um, and there is so much that Americans can learn from the global church. Yeah. Um, and just helping people to see outside their box is extremely difficult. Yeah. Um, because um, it seems like a lot of Christians, um, although they um, are you know amazing, I love my fellow brothers and sisters, I love the church, and I'm no means trying to tear down any anything that deals with that, but right. um, it seems like a lot of people um, have a narrow approach when it comes to God and the Holy Spirit, yeah. prayer, and, and things like that. Um, I had a friend of mine uh, take a trip to Africa mm-hmm. and um, they were talking about um, demons and the Holy Spirit and things like that and some things that they had experienced um, and my American friend asked him to tell a story Yeah, and he said I'm not going to tell you because you're an American and you won't believe it um, and, and that's a pretty telling um, statement that's I mean yeah that's pretty straightforward um, and so a lot of the people that I encounter that I'm trying to get involved with the Great Commission and mm-hmm. to see their purpose and to see their hand in the Great Commission, yeah, um, to help them see that is di- difficult because um, you know many people are, are narrow-minded. Um, and uh, I don't put blame on that, on them as an individual, because you know, I was once in their shoes. Right. Um, but to help people to, to see that um, and, to, and to also see their vitality yeah. In, in the Great Commission. I mean, you potentially could be someone that saves a soul. Right. And you can stand up in heaven yeah. wearing a right robe with him, and you can put your arm around the shoulder and say, well, this is my brother. Yeah, like you had something to do with that. There is vitality in that. That's a, it's like, a, that's a, that's a, a kind of a legacy that, that lasts for eternity. Yeah. No matter what your accomplishments here on earth like you can't take those to heaven, but 
if you have a hand in saving somebody, they can look at you for eternity and be like, you had something to do with it. Yeah. And so helping people realize that can, can be kind of difficult because um, with the systems that we have in place in the United States and, and, and the hoops that we have to jump through um, can kind of um, uh, hinder people from you know, truly experiencing God and, and their relationship with God. Right. And so it is my utmost goal to help people realize that. So. Yeah. So going to that that situation, though, where the guy was like, I'm not even going to bother telling you a story because you're an American. What are some of the, if you had to think of a situation, what are one of the crazier stories that you've heard or a situation that you've been in personally that you've witnessed, I guess, out in the field? <laughs> I'll tell you one that I've heard too and it's well um, it's funny you ask because it's one of the craziest stories I've heard uh, is a story that I've actually had the opportunity to experience um, um, and one that you got to see firsthand as well yeah um, and um, kind of what I was talking about in terms of culture shock yeah, um, I think that's what we experienced whenever we were in uh, in Sicily. Um, yeah, the culture was different, and it wasn't just we were messing with one, one culture; we were messing with several cultures because we were working with refugees. Yeah, so, it was Sicilians and West Africans of all kinds. Yes, and, and just whenever you're dealing with refugees from Africa and Italians, there's already uh, a lot of messy situations whenever you deal with that. Yeah, um, and so. Uh, with that culture shock, with uh, with the heat of the day, um, the freaking heat. God. Okay, keep going. I'm sorry. I just remembered all the heat in Sicily. And with the lack of fruit that we are experiencing. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that you can second the statement when I say um, that was one of the most discouraging um, few weeks that I've ever experienced. Yeah. Um, in the midst of all of those struggles, um, and in the midst of trying to start spiritual conversations and Bible studies, it seemed like um, nothing was taking um, root. And and go like for myself personally, going to a mega church where you see people getting baptized every single week, and you're out there for two months, I felt like a loser. I was like, I'm terrible at this. Like I should go home. Like this is I'm I'm so dumb. Yeah, and, and it, it, I can remember the day when it was like I was staring at a brick wall, mm-hmm. and I can remember you know, praying to God, saying, "God, why am I here? Um, if you weren't going to help me breach this wall, um, I can remember all of this um, uh, expressing together. Um, you know, we are here doing our part." And then we yearn to God, saying, "God, please help us out here." Yeah. Um, and, it, and it seemed at first um, there was nothing but silence. And I can remember we still um, uh, were g- continuing to just experience discouragement, discouragement. And it was about week four. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think you were in the in the beginning stages of the the first Bible study that we um, were able to to get started. Yeah. Um, and we, we were, you know, on cloud nine just because people were willing to meet with us. Right. <laughs> Not that anything really came out of that, but just that we were. It was just, it was, we, we broke ground 
in some way because we're like, good, this is what we're actually here for yeah. after so, four weeks of this. <laughs> and you talk about um, having a change of priorities and, and what excites you, you know, it, that really puts you in your place. Yeah. And um, I can remember um, this Bible study where um, it continued, like most um, of our conversations, yeah. just continued to be um, in debate form. Where we would try to unfortunately have this Bible study, yeah. but they would just come back at us like it was a debate. And I think I I had I definitely had some fault in that because I think I set the tone of it that way because when when Ryan Hale came to one of them, he was he showed me that it was like here's how you keep it from being a debate. Like you just kind of be like, okay, well, just what were your thoughts on or like how did you feel about just what happened? But that was still on me, but like I still you're right, like it was kind of hard because I think in a in a place in the world somewhere where they've never heard of the gospel or Islam, it's not really like a okay, who's right here sort of thing. It's like, oh, I've never heard of such love or kindness. So this was a different animal, you're right. But And um I can remember we met as a group. Um, to the point where we came to the conclusion that we would meet one more week if it continued to uh, uh, be in this fashion. Yeah. Um, and I can remember we all uh, took that pretty difficultly because um, it was like we were just brushing off someone's eternal destiny. And that was like, wh whose call was that too? Was that Ryan's? We like... I, I think uh, once we kind of deliberated, it, it kind of talks about it in, I think, Luke 6, where um, Jesus sends out um, a group of people in twos. It was the 72 yeah. followers that he had. Yeah. And if people were not receptive, to brush it off your shoulder and to move on. Mm -hmm. um, and so that verse came to the surface, and as, as difficult as it was... Um, as discouraged yeah. as we were, um, that's what we came to the conclusion as. Right, so we, right. we thought, okay, let's meet that one more week. Yeah. Um, and I think our host missionary was in that that last meeting. Yeah. Um, and um, in, in all these Bible studies, he had printed the, the Bible verse that we were studying that week um, off for us. And so he brought those to that mm -hmm. meeting. And um, the... Uh, meeting continued like it had in the past, but yeah, um, they had also recruited um, another young man um, who Lord. had uh, grown up in a household where his father was the professor of the Quran. So he didn't necessarily know um, the, the Quran as as truth as we see the Bible, but rather right. a legalistic code uh, for life. And yeah. being that his his father his father knew the Quran very very well, he could. Uh, uh, debate with Christians. He he could reference the Quran very well. Yeah. yeah. And um, I think it came to the conclusion of okay, like this is what say. we believe, right? And, and this is what we this is what you believe. Mm -hmm. um, and I think in a way that had a, a strong impact on him because it forced him to to question and it forced him to think because we were not willing to be, debate with him. We were not right. willing to. Um, enter into that argument because we truly believed in Jesus Christ and, yeah. and the testament that, that he offered yeah. and the testament that we he had, has on our, our life. Right. Um, which is really cool to see. 
because yeah. um, that's what it's about. And and he also saw, you know, he saw individuals coming from a place where, you know, our lives are are good and comfortable, and how we paid money to come overseas to tell them about this. Like that's what he saw too. He saw individuals leaving their safe place to come to these, like to this situation where struggle is happening, and to introduce hope, like from to a, to a person who left his home for the lack of hope. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, that that meeting came to an end, and mm-hmm. uh, our host missionary. Um, kind of put down the final uh, seal of this is what we believe and this is what you believe mm-hmm. and it got to the point where I mean, it was ended right uh, but um, our friend who was uh, very um, adamant on, on arguing mm-hmm. uh, marked out Jesus being the Son of God right um, which was pretty powerful for him to physically take a pen and to mark out those words yeah um, that was a powerful statement of belief yeah um, and, and that's that was that, that ended. And right. I can remember we all um, gathered together that night in our little apartment. Um, that four bedroom apartment. Hitting the peak of our discouragement. Yeah. Um, because we had four days left. Yeah, and we were discouraged because of the fact that we had to move on. And this man did not believe. He was destined towards an eternal life and hell. And I can remember we um, came together, and I think this is one of the most powerful moments that we had as a team. Yeah. Um, in the midst of all of our differences that we had experienced in the beginning, yeah. um, that any team's going to face, of getting to know each other, um, yeah. we were able to come together, I mean, we prayed for 24 hours. That's right for um, our friends that we had been sharing with and had continued to um, have a dead-end road with. Um, and we called out to God like we had throughout the whole summer that God pursue these individuals. And he make himself known. You know, all of us had just heard stories at this point that um, Muslims were having dreams right. um, of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And um, we asked that specific thing for the far friends that God would make Himself known to them in a bold way. Um, and I can remember going to the camp the next day, um, and in one particular person that had been in, in our meetings, yeah. um, whom we had continued to share our testimony with yeah. uh, separately, yeah. each, each of our group members. Yeah. Um, I can remember seeing him kind of acting a little different tonight, and myself and, and Andrea mm-hmm. uh, met with him one-on-one. That's right. And we were outside of the building. The rest of us were outside and, of the building praying. And um, he, we had beforehand been talking to him um, about, about Jesus, um, and we tried to make connections with things that he was seeing in terms of the turmoil that he had experienced and was seeing yeah. in Italy and uh, the violence and hatred and evil. Um, and, and we tried to talk about Jesus and who he is and who he, who he, what he offers. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we figured um, 
with with the direction that he was headed that that he would accept Jesus. But um, after we had left, because our departure was was coming close, as you said, um, and we were just honored to to have our hands in the midst of that journey. Um, but we would have to pass that on to the host missionary whenever uh, we left. And um, on this particular afternoon, um, our friends seemed a little um, different. And I can remember kind of pressing a little bit, asking him to kind of share his experience because I wanted to, and to to make sure he knew that we were there for him because right. he didn't have a lot of friends where he was at. Yeah. And he stopped for, for a couple seconds and he said, um, Ryan, last night, um, granted this is after we prayed 24 hours for, right. um, for Jesus to, to make himself known. He said, last night um, I had a dream. Um, and in this dream, a man in white approached me, um, and he was glowing, glowing enough to where I couldn't see his face. And for some reason, I trusted this man. Yeah. And uh, because I trusted him, whenever he reached his hand out to me, I, I took it. And he led me into this large room, so large that I could not see its uh, its walls in the back corner that marked its endpoint. Um, and people filled this room so many people that I could not uh, count. Yeah. Um, and they were all uh, waiting to eat um, until I arrived. And, and he was like, Ryan, I cannot explain to you the, uh, the community and peace that I experienced um, in that dream. Um, and then I woke up. Um, and he stopped. Um, he seemed pretty emotional, as was I. <laughs> um, yeah. And he said, I feel something right here, as he pointed to his heart. He says, I cannot explain it. And I said, I can confidently tell you that that was Jesus mm -hmm. because of three things. First being, um, that is what I read in Revelation 19 when it talks about the bride of Christ and Christ mm -hmm. coming together in the, in the celebratory supper that they have um, and the multitude of, of people in right robes you know, who have mm -hmm. belief in Jesus yeah. that cannot be counted yeah um, second um, last night we prayed that Jesus makes himself known to you right um, and I'm witnessing an answer to prayer and three that same feeling that you're experiencing is what I experienced uh, when Jesus came to me um, and he was kind of taken back and um, uh, we just kind of celebrated with him in a way he hadn't quite accepted yet but we celebrated with him and uh, ended that conversation for the day and I think the next day um, was our last and we yeah. went to the camp and just kind of hung out we didn't want to press anything on anybody um, we figured this this friend would, would accept Jesus so we didn't want we wanted it to be his decision not you know our decision that we were forcing on him so we didn't really talk much about anything just about friendship right. so I remember we just play around and um, it kind of came time for us to leave, and we all said our goodbyes, and yeah. it was pretty emotional. Yeah. Um, and that night, we had a, um, a party at the host missionary's home, uh, kind of a going away party, and uh, I remember getting that text from him. Yeah. That said, um, we want to change. Yeah. And we want to change only because of uh, what you guys have spoken about. Yeah. Um, and, and I can remember all of this kind of just stopped. 
one of an excitement and, yeah. and, and awe. It seriously felt like Christmas. Yeah, and <laughs> we also were kind of in shock because we noticed the word we. And so we were like, what's going on here? Yeah. And so we were all kind of in a frantic <laughs> yeah. um, mode there and kind of ran over to our apartment, got things together, and we ran over to the refugee camp that they were living at. And uh, we all kind of met together and decided, since myself and, and Andrew had been meeting with him, that we would walk up together and everyone else would stick around and pray, yeah. um, as we had done before. And I can remember walking into that room um, and sitting in the center was our friend but there were also two other people mm -hmm. so I sit down and uh, look at him and I ask uh, so, so what's going on here um, and he says well you know we've been having these conversations you know what I've experienced and what's going on with me so right um, you kind of know what's up but uh, I'll let the other guys kind of share with, with what's going on with them so I look to his to his left and it's his best friend yeah and uh, as I was leaving Whenever he had shared his testimony, I, I encouraged him to share that with his friends. Yeah. Uh, because you can talk about the Bible all day, but until you truly experience Jesus, that's when it really becomes powerful. Yeah. You you can't debate with something you've experienced. Right. Exactly. And so I, I encouraged him to share that testimony of the dream, and that's that's what he did. And so he shared it with his best friend. And I looked at him and I said, "So, so, you know, give me some context and share a little bit about what's going on." And he said, um, "You know." Um, John, it's a pseudonym that we'll give our friend. John has been sharing um, with me uh, the dream that he's experienced. And yeah. you know our past. You know what we've been through. Yeah. And you know that we have nobody except each other. This is my brother. Yeah. Um, and what he tells me, I see it in his eyes. Um, and I believe him. Mm -hmm. I believe him. And I said, wow, that is awesome. Praise God. Then I looked to his right, um, John's, mm -hmm. and um, sitting on his right was uh, the young man who had marked out Jesus being the Son of God mm -hmm. um, in that, that earlier meeting that we had. Uh, the guy I never would have expected to be sitting in this room. Um, and I asked him to share a little bit, but before I could get that sentence out, he stopped me and he first said, you know, Brian, I want to apologize to you guys because um, ever since that day that I marked out those words, um, I walked upstairs to my room, I laid down on my bed, and I have felt something right here as he pointed to his heart that I cannot explain. He says, what you say is true, and I believe. Yeah. So we went through that entire Bible the, uh, the rest of the night, uh, come about 11.30 at night. The three of them had uh, professed their faith in Jesus and uh, put his arm behind them and the next morning they were baptized so that's like um, that's a situation where there's no middle ground you know like that is such a significant situation that comes about it's it's not like oh well like as far as his dream went be like oh well a lot of people no it's this is a it's a situation that that you just won't like I said there's no middle ground that's all there is to it yeah God literally changed hearts in front of us yeah um, and when I talk about trying to help students understand their role in the Great Commission but also see uh, beyond 
mm. uh, the box. Yeah. Uh, that's what I want them to understand, that God can do anything. Yeah. And I am here to say he can and I have witnessed it. So. And it's in ways that you don't it's in ways that you don't even understand sometimes. Because very like we very well could have gone home and in our minds nothing happened. But because of our involvement in some way down the road. And prayer. And prayer, something else could happen. Yeah. And it's and, and I just read um about a couple months ago, five new baptisms have occurred. Seriously. Um, so um, disciples are making disciples in Catania. And also, I need to tell the audience as well, the reason why we don't mention their names is for their own safety. Um, the, the culture there is, um, it's, it's a pretty difficult thing for somebody to... Um, willingly leave behind um, something that they live by their whole life and to um, accept the gospel. It's, it's more, uh, you can argue it's more dangerous for them than it is for any of us and what we would ever have to deal with here in America. So that's why we don't mention their names and it's for their own safety, basically. But that's cool. That's cool to talk about. And, you know, I think, I don't know, you can, you can witness and experience something on a weekly or, uh, or, or a two-week mission trip, but I think for anybody who's ever really considering going to a corner of the world for an extended period of time, they need to, they need to hear something like that, and they need to understand that and understand that, that the journey that they may embark on would would be something that they can't fathom and they need to realize how important it is to prepare themselves. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really cool thing that you're doing, you know, everything with your involvement in team expansion and preparing people to go. Um, and you also yourself go to different parts of the world a lot. You've been traveling a lot here lately, going around all the United States. What is, uh, what is your next destination? Um, there's a potential that I will be heading to, um, Southern Asia or um, East Europe um, in the uh, beginning of the new year. Okay. Um, for the reason of um, field visits, um, for the sake of my own yeah. um, benefit, because I do plan on being on the field yeah. um, in the near future. Um, I see this role as a stepping stone. Okay. Um, so it's kind of a vision trip in my own way that I have the opportunity to experience and learn. Um, but also it helps me to learn more about fields as I communicate to different uh, students. Okay, cool. Um, we also have different um, interns in that part of those, those areas as well to where I'll be going and checking up on um, to make sure all their needs are met and to make sure that other missionaries are adequately equi equipped to, uh, to mentor and to guide them cool. um, in ministry. So. All right, cool. All right, well, here's what we're going to do here. I always ask a few rapid-fire questions at the end of the episode to get a little gist about you and everything. So, um, just one at a time, we're going to fire them off and then we'll end the episode. Um, be what is your favorite book outside of the Bible? Okay. Um, I think one powerful book that I have read is Wild at Heart. Wild at Heart? John Eldridge. John Eldridge. John Eldridge. I, did, I read that too. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a very good book. So. I feel that. It's, a. Uh, it's good to help you get to your roots, I guess, as like a man sort of just kind of having a, an honest, 
mentality. Uh, yeah, I like that. Cool. What's your favorite movie? Um, Top three if you don't have a my favorite. My favorite movie is The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Oh, I could have said that. I totally forgot about that. Um, and it just, it's an awesome movie that uh, centers around um, not wasting your life yeah. and just truly getting to the heart uh, of what you enjoy and chasing that. I feel that. Um, it is a secular movie. Um, but the premise can still be spiritualized. Um, but I would say my second favorite movie, it's actually taken from a book, um, is The Insanity of God. Um, and just like what we've been talking about, how God can work in amazing ways, um, that movie um, talks about that. Did we watch that? We did. We did watch that. You're right. Cool. Um, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Or if you can think it of of anything off the top of your head? Um, I've received a lot of advice, but now that I'm on the on the hot seat, um, <laughs> um, I think it's important to be um, an active learner, no matter what age. Um, Keep educating to always, yourself. To always explore, to always push yourself, to always um, reach the limits, limits, and to uh, just be the best that you can be. Um, and that can apply to just uh, secular life, but also spiritual life as well. Cool, cool. Um, you can answer whichever one you want. Favorite music um, or favorite band um, or I'm artist? A big, I'm a big um, indie music fan. Okay. Um, some indie folk too. So it's a little more on the, on the chill side. Um, Do you like John Prine? I might do. Yeah. That's folk. That's folk yeah. to me. That's the folk that I listen to. But yeah. do you know that song "Paradise" I by John Prine? Uh, um, I I know a lot of songs, but I'm bad with with song names. Like, uh, <laughs> "Daddy, won't you take me back to Muhlenberg?" Yeah, yeah. You know that song? Yeah. That's here in Kentucky. No, oh, okay. So yeah, Very I'll nice. tell you about it afterwards. Okay. But uh, cool. So you like that favorite artist? Um. That's difficult because there are so many out there. I feel that. Um, I don't know if I could pinpoint um, any um, any specifics. Yeah. So. No worries. Um, let's see. I, I really like uh, um, music soundtracks as well because I think there's a lot of power in uh, sometimes not speaking. Okay. I'm um, gonna let just the experience um, speak. Um, through you so like the soundtrack to like a movie or something yeah or? yeah so i guess i like hans zimmer's oh, stuff hans zimmer's wonderful for uh like uh inception and yeah. stuff like that oh, yeah, those are great. but uh yeah. one of my favorite songs that he did was in interstellar oh i and love it was, that soundtrack yes the revenant too. Uh, that's not hans zimmer but the revenant but the revenant is what the yeah but uh yeah i do enjoy that too Theodore um, Shapiro too is, is is one of my favorite uh, just instrumental okay artists okay cool um, if you could give the audience a piece of advice or yeah if you could give the audience a piece of advice about anything what would you give um, I would say um, uh, your personal walk with God um, is a journey and it's mm -hmm. gonna have uh, seasons and it's gonna have ups and down down. <laughs> um, your, your personal walk with God um, is going to have 
of different seasons, and you're going to have ups and downs, um, and you're going to have uh, mountaintop experiences, and there's going to be some low, lows in the midst of those as well. Yeah. Um, but I would say in the midst of that, even in the midst of doubt sometimes, is mm-hmm. to continue to, to put one step in front of the other, and every day um, try to broaden your box in which you place God in. Yeah. You can say that, no, I don't put God in the box. But we're, we're finite beings. We do right. put God in the box. Right. Um, and my encouragement and advice is to just try to strengthen and broaden that box every day, especially as you pray. Um, and, and as we can hear from that story that we had the opportunity to share, um, God can do some amazing things if you just um, are honest and broaden that box. So. Awesome. Cool, cool. Well, I think that'll do it for us. That's going to wrap up this episode. Ryan, thank you so much for being on. I appreciate it. It's an honor. It's a great uh, opportunity to share some awesome things going on throughout the world. Absolutely. Um, Last piece, if anybody wants to uh, get involved with team expansion in any way, how can they go about doing that? Well, you can uh, head to our website, www.teamexpansion.org, and uh, click on the, the bar, the up bar, go. I mean, there are many different opportunities that you can get involved, whether that be um, just uh, filling out a profile to get in contact, and we can uh, start that conversation with you, and you can even come to our home office in Louisville, um, and we can present you different opportunities. Or if you're on the, you're ready to go and you want to do maybe a summer thing or, or a semester thing, or maybe you're, you're uh, at the point where you can go full-time, um, we can get that ball rolling as well, and you can do all of that uh, through the website as well. So Awesome. All right. Well, guys, thank you for listening. I hope you're able to learn something today. Um, Thank you guys once again. We'll see you next time.